people to give to the campaign. Some individuals have even given individually to um, things that are heavy on their heart, as long as it fulfills the vision that has been given. Um, we talk about the fact that no one individual is ever the focus, but it is always the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that is the focus. Uh, today, what is interesting and what I'd like to announce is that there's a couple people uh, that have very quietly and very sacrificially and very joyfully uh, donated um, specifically to the position of pastor of discipleship um, over the next 12 or 18 months, whatever is necessary, in order for us to come up to the place as a church to actually provide for that and support that on our own. Um, as a result of that, um, the elders have met recently uh, with both Aaron and Brianna, and uh, we have unanimously, as elders, decided to bring Aaron Badorf on full-time as an associate pastor of discipleship at Big Woods Bible Church. This would be an individual who's responsible over all of our home group ministries. We've had a lot of transition in our leadership in home groups the last four years. Uh, this would be an individual who's responsible for our adult education, Sunday school, and all leadership training, as well as continuing on in campus ministry. And we want you to know that we are praising God for a gift that has been given in order for Aaron to be on board with us full-time um, as a pastor, as an elder, a man who is truly respected and loved. Uh, please understand this does not affect in any way um, our youth pastor or ministry or candidate. That is in the budget, and we look forward actually, I believe it's next week that we have uh, Travis um, and his wife Hannah Thomas visiting here um, as a youth pastor candidate. Um, we do understand that um, it could be a little bit tight by way of space if we bring on additional pastors. Uh, pastor Joshua has been working diligently, for example, in office space, where would Aaron study? And we're working on that. Uh, I am pleased to report that Aaron does have, at this point, his very own parking spot, and it's just two blocks down at the train station he can use whenever he wants. So we want to make sure that he is loved. Um, our, our goal, really, uh, within the next several weeks, by the end of May, um, we would invite the body to vote, uh, Lord willing, if it is in your heart, to affirm uh, the elders' uh, calling of uh, Pastor Aaron. Um, and, then, and then, Lord willing, um, Aaron would probably begin full-time June the 1st, and we are grateful for that. Uh, on a personal note, in regards to Aaron, which perhaps some of you do not know, he will be finishing his graduate work uh, two weeks from now. He'll be graduating from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary uh, with his MDiv, and the elders have called an ordination council, which is going to be a new thing for Big Woods. We have also area pastors and other mentors of Aaron uh, who will be here and who will, he will publicly uh, have his have hands laid on him according to 1 Timothy 5. But prior to that, there will be the a thorough examination or a council that is called examining Aaron's call to ministry, his philosophy of ministry, as we officially recognize him as one who's been ordained and called into gospel ministry. So that is an announcement that I'm excited and delighted. I want you to be a part of that God is providing as we continue to move down the road for his glory. Thank you.
Praise the Lord, um, and I am humbled, excited, and eager uh, for for what is ahead. Uh, the only proper response, I think, to that to that is that we uh, go to God in prayer um, and just thank Him for for all that He gives uh, in our lives. So, would you would you pray with me as we move into the time of offering this morning? <clears throat> God, we do we do praise you. We thank you. God, for who you are, God, for the many blessings that you provide for us each and every day, uh, for the ones that we don't see, for the ones that we do see, help us, God, to point them all back to you, uh, to be sure to give you all the honor and glory. Uh, We thank you, God, for your provision. We thank you, God, for the way that you work uh, in and among this church. We pray that you would continue to do so uh, and help us, God, to be faithful to the call that you have placed on this body to impact this community and this world. We do just come before you, God, humbled and amazed at at what you do. God, we're so thankful, um, and help us to each and every day uh, to love you more and more. God, help us now as we give. uh, Help us to give with cheerful hearts, and help us, um, God, to give out of the abundance that you have given to us. Uh, We thank you and praise you. God, that we can we can worship you in this way and help us to view it correctly. We do pray that you would be with the rest of our service. We ask, God, that you would be with Pastor Tim as he preaches. You would be with us as we hear. Uh, and help us, God, to, um, in the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, to go away from this place changed, convicted, uh, and comforted by your word this morning. Uh, and, and even so, more thankful for our mothers, uh, and the women that you have placed in our lives. Um, God, we thank you uh, again for this day, and we ask that you be glorified in all that we say and do. We love you, God. We praise you and thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Aaron said, it is indeed Mother's Day, and we want to honor the women that God has placed in our lives uh, to raise us up in truth and righteousness. And uh, so you see the flowers up here. And uh, as, the, as the ushers kind of pass by you, I invite the children, and that can be young and old children, to, um, to get flowers for their mothers. And, uh, and if you see a, a mom that's here that doesn't have children, why don't you kind of adopt her this morning and grab a flower and, uh, and pass that on to her. And so uh, if you could play the video, and we want to pay tribute to our mothers. to you, you were pink or blue, and everything I wanted, here's to you, never sleeping through, from midnight till the morning, had to crawl before you walked, before you ran, before I knew it, you were trying to free your fingers from my hand, cause you could do it on your own now, somehow. So 
missing tooth Every bedtime story Here's to Barbie cars, lightsaber wars Sleeping in on Sunday Had to crawl before you walked Before you ran, before I knew it You were teaching me the only thing love can Hold hands through it when it's scary You've got me Let's slow down Won't you stay here a minute more I know you wanna walk through the door But it's all too fast Let's make it last a little while I pointed to the sky And now you wanna fly I am your biggest fan I hope you know who I am But do you think you can somehow Slow down so many people crying as I come up to preach. Uh, thank you. I think it was Krista Hamilton who arranged that. Um, thank you. I don't know why. I think we've got some mic problems. Are we on? Good. That's why Zane was shaking his head the entire time I was speaking. <laughs> um, good morning. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. If you have your Bibles, uh, Proverbs in chapter 1. I think it is fitting. I think it is appropriate um, to take a break from the Gospel of Mark um, on such a special day as this, Mother's Day 2016. Proverbs chapter 1, our text will be found in verses 7, uh, verse 8, and verse 9. Before we read that, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we come into your presence and we are grateful for who you are. We're grateful, Lord, for the blessing and the design of family and the gift that you've given to us of our mothers. And we ask, Lord, right now as we look into your word that you, in a, in a unique way, would, would just cover 
all of the, the moms that are here, the moms-to-be, the grandmothers, even great-grandmothers. Uh, Father, I would ask that you would encourage them and remind them of the important value and the place that they have in your plan for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for uh, their diligence, their hard work, their unconditional love, their, their words at the right moment, the tone of their words. Uh, Lord, we're just blessed and we are reminded of your grace that you care for us in this way. Father, we thank you for your word that is a perfect, it is a precious, and it is a powerful word that comes directly from you. Lord, make our minds keen this morning and direct our attention to you as we glean and, and mine great wealth from its depth. We ask this in the name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. I, I read this week that if motherhood uh, was going to be easy, it would never begin with something that is called labor. And I thought of that. There is great work um, that you mothers do on a regular basis. And as we celebrate Mother's Day 2016, I want to draw our attention, not, not only to our mothers, but if I could say even more importantly, to draw our attention to the Lord, uh, to, to God who is the one who has given to us our mothers as a gift. Um, more than a gift to make you breakfast, okay? More than a, a gift to make your bed. Uh, um, a gift to make you wise. God has given to you a gift, your mother and your father, to make you wise. And as I put in, in subtitles um, or parentheses, moms are also here to keep you from being such a fool that we so naturally are inclined to be. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 begins and reads like this. And I'll read down through verse 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, a fool, despise wisdom and instruction. And then it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. And I love this. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Uh, this is referred to, and you're well aware of this, as a proverb. A proverb is a short it is a simple and it is a concise term. It, it's, it's wise in content and concise in form. Its purpose is for instruction, and it's short oftentimes so that you can remember it, remember it very easily. I won't go into a lot of the detail. I did some research. Proverbs, one of the five poetical books that exist, considered wisdom literature written almost entirely by King Solomon, son of King David, the greatest king of Israel. Although Solomon reigned for 40 years, from 971 to 931 B.C., it's interesting that the Proverbs weren't actually compiled until after that, probably around 9, excuse me, 539 B.C. 
The book itself is a compilation of concise, wise statements, a basic book of truth. And the purpose is for fathers and mothers to take these proverbs, short, concise statements, and teach them to their children. It is a book of wisdom. Think about it. If we are to raise children who are to be good, godly children, if we're to raise children to be God-fearing, to be righteous, to be well-mannered, well-speaking, well-behaved children, we've got to know this book. You've got to know the book of Proverbs. You've got to know the whole book of the Bible. You've got to teach it. And I think most importantly, we as parents have got to live this book. I wondered how there's so many people in this world, how many people today, parents, live with an inclination or understanding of what exists in the book of Proverbs or the purpose of the Proverbs? I, I, I did what, what many of you do several times each week. I googled with the question, how to raise good kids? pretty broad okay let's just kind of see so what are people reading out there 205 million different options are immediately given on how to raise good kids at the very top of the list number one and you know how it reads i read harvard psychologists have been studying what it takes to raise good kids and i pause there and breathe a sigh of relief well thankfully Someone's figuring this out. And then I read um, number two from Red Book Magazine, seven parenting strategies that will ensure that you raise them. Then I read 10 scientific tips for raising happy kids. And then I read about emotional intelligence, how to raise a child with high emotional quotient. And it didn't answer my question. I'm like, how many people out there direct their attention to the book of Proverbs. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm, I'm barking up the wrong tree here. So I specifically, I changed it. You, you do the little back thing. I don't want to raise good kids. How do you raise wise kids? My, it was on me. It was my fault, right? Well, well I, I got nine tips for raising money-wise kids. And then I got raising street-wise kids. And there was nothing there. I, I learned about raising bright kids and safe kids and happy kids and smart kids and well-adjusted kids and creative kids. And I'm thinking, it's not there. I had to scroll down through nine pages, forgive me, much of it of just slop, to get to this. Finally, nine pages deep on how to raise wise kids. I got to this. What does the Bible say about raising children, and it pointed to the book of Proverbs, first and foremost. What does the Bible say? It went right to the book of Proverbs. Did you realize how far off the world is from the idea of wisdom literature that exists in the book of Proverbs on how to raise wise kids? There is a lot, there is a lot of instruction out there on how to raise kids and much of it is just saturated through humanistic secularism. It promotes what's oftentimes referred to today as androgyny. 
perhaps the, the loudest message where, where boys don't really know what it means to be boys and girls don't know what it means to be girls, where boys want to be girls and girls want to be boys, and, and, and God forbid that you ever dress your boy in blue because then he'll become some like hairy, out-of-control mountain man. Don't stereotype anyone. Don't, don't dress your girl in pink. That's a stereotype because she can become a, a, a doll-playing tea-sipping princess, and, and that would be horrible for us. That's, that's the message that the world is giving. Let the girls go to the bathroom with the boys, and let the boys go to the bathroom with the girls. That's not anywhere of where we need to be going on how to raise wise kids. Now, there is, there is even so-called Christian principles that have some solid basic ideas. And, and, it, and it says a lot about be a, a friend to your, your son or your daughter, which certainly should be, but, but you're not just hanging with them. Yes, you're to spend time with them and go places with them and take them to the ball game and have fun. That's good stuff. But understand what, what the book of Proverbs says. Okay, goes, it goes much deeper than like hanging around with your son or with your daughter. Teach your child trivial things and they will become trivial people who will teach their children trivial things. But if you teach your child deep things, meaningful things, spiritual things, then you will raise your child to become a father or a mother who teaches their children deep things. You, you realize, you realize, uh, Mom, your, your primary duty, and I could speak to dads, your primary duty is not to, to, to make breakfast, okay? It's not to, to take out the trash. That's not your primary duty. When, when, when kids say, well, wh what is it, what is it that, that, that your mother does? Well, she makes breakfast for me, or she makes my bed for me. That's, that's neat, but that's not your primary duty. The primary responsibility, the primary duty of a father and a mother is to teach holy living to your sons and to your daughters. Your number one responsibility is to teach holy living. Four ideas very quickly. The first one is this. The family is God's idea. I could also say the family is God's ideal. Solomon begins with this instruction. Hear my son, your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. It, it just pours out, even of this first statement, it is a given that God in God's plan includes children and fathers and mothers, and they're all connected. They're all related in a relationship of accountability. A son or a daughter, if you are sitting here today, has a responsibility to hear and to obey. A parent has a responsibility to instruct and to teach. This, this is not the result of some accident. This is not the result of an arbitrary 
uh, degree of, of evolution, survival of the fittest. It, it's not like that. The family was actually ordained by God in creation. We go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. God created man in his own image, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said what? Be fruitful and multiply. God has designed every person within the family unit to have a role and to have a place. Be fruitful and multiply. Separates, male and female, come together to be fruitful. It speaks to the most profound, the most precious and special relationship that could ever exist between one man and one woman, husband and wife. That is them coming together, cleaving to one another, becoming one and raising a family. Now, there is no doubt that we live in a world that is filled with sin. The result of sin oftentimes is death. There are some that have, have had to raise children as a result of death, of partner, had to raise them by themselves. We live in a world that is saturated in sin and, and, and divorce is epidemic in our society, in our culture. And there sadly have been individuals that had to raise children as a result of divorce alone. And this is where what we as a church have a responsibility to come alongside those who are raising children alone and assist them and love them the best that we can. It has happened and many have done it quite faithfully. But, but God's design is, is not to be alone. It's to be in covenant relationship as a model of God's covenant relationship with us, His very own children. To do that in love and in faithfulness. The family is God's idea. The, the family is for God's glory. Secondly, the family is a school. And you roll your eyes you're like, no, really don't go there. A family is the very basic idea, the ideal as I said, the place and plan for teaching children how to live in this world. Hear my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. The father is what? The father in the home is to be the key instructor. The mother is to be the key teacher. Therefore, what? What, what does that mean? The family, at some levels, is a school. God ordained the family not just to be, be, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, but to fill the earth with sons and daughters who know something. Fill the earth with sons and daughters who have been instructed people and are taught people. Now, we all know there are some things that you do not need to teach your children, right? I mean, even when they come out, those little ones, you, they know that the reflex that God has given, they know immediately how to eat, right? They know immediately how to cry when they're hungry. But other than that, they basically have to be taught everything. Life does not just come naturally. We need to teach them, and we need to teach them everything. From the basics of what? Walking. 
prop them up and you help them as they take those first steps of talking, of running, of throwing the basics, the things that you need to know. How to throw from this stretch, how to pick off a runner when he's on first base. You got to know the basics to life. How to brush your teeth. These aren't in any particular order, by the way. (laughs) How to to clean up after themselves. How to read, how to count, how to spell. How to do all of these. The basic things. We're also instructed to teach them the not-so-basic things. How to be kind to one another. And how to be polite and thankful and respectful. I had the wonderful privilege this past week at, at, at midnight or something crazy with all the, the people that were flipping pancakes at, on campus at LHU. And it, as people were flipping pancakes, there was tons of kids. I had the wonderful privilege of spending time with students. I don't normally get a chance to do that at midnight. I don't know why. <laughs> These kids were studying for finals. I have to tell you this. Many of the kids, I would say almost all of the kids that I spoke with, were kind to me and respectful to me. There were, there were young men calling me sir. And I said, why are you calling? I said that. Why are you calling me sir? Because that's the right thing to do. A young man told me that. I was impressed that some parents somewhere are taking the time to teach them how to be kind and respectful, to engage in conversation. We also know that we have to teach our children how not to do certain things. How not to fight. How not to bite or kick or scream or lie or argue or talk back. You see, the family is a school. God's idea for this massive responsibility on teaching the next generation on how to live and to live holy. Now, parents, as many choose to do, choose to go to other relatives in their own family to assist them in raising their own children. Wonderful. But let me remind you, parents, you are still responsible. If you as parents want to use nannies or daycare workers or other teachers or coaches, wonderful. You are still responsible for raising your child and you will be held accountable, not the nanny. The family is God's idea. The family is a school. Thirdly, the family has a responsibility and that responsibility is to fear God. A family has a responsibility to fear God. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It it, it is all rooted. It is all grounded there. If there is one major lesson that must, and I cannot emphasize, it's in capital letters, that that, that must be communicated and and re-communicated. It must be stressed and re-stressed, emphasized and re-emphasized. One lesson over and over and over and over again that we teach our children, it is this. God is God and you are not Him. Teach a fear of the one all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, sovereign, holy Lord over everyone and over everything. Parents, it is our responsibility. 
Moms, you are to teach. And dads, you are to instruct. It is our responsibility to teach our children to literally maneuver their way through life and their entire in their entire life must be lived through the lens of God's word to us, teaching and telling them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything is rooted in that. Everything is rooted in the truth of the gospel. There is a holy God and there are sinful men. And because of God's holiness and his wrath, there is a great chasm and distance as sin bears the weight of a broken relationship that can only be reconciled through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we are to live believing that, trusting that, have faith in that, and uh, in, in obedience to that. That's, that's the, the, the message of the gospel. This impacts everything you remember anything this morning remember this we are to live in the light of the gospel if we miss the gospel we will miss life if you remember one thing from this morning i want you to remember this we are to live in the light of the gospel if we miss the gospel then we will miss life john 10 10 says what i have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly if we don't if we don't get a clear view of the gospel of jesus christ the work of jesus christ if we don't emphasize that and stress that into the lives of our kids i I don't care what scholarships your kids have received i don't care what platforms they stand on or what awards or accolations they will mean nothing as you stand before the lord we're to live in the light of the gospel. If we miss the gospel, we will miss life. Now, remember, this is not designed to be one person's responsibility within the family. Both are vitally important. It, 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 it does not say fathers instruct and then mothers just change diapers. That's all you're that, It doesn't say that. It, it doesn't say, well, well, mothers teach and fathers, you just go to work and bring home the, the, the paycheck. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say fathers and mothers, both of you work so long and so much so that you can get more junk to pour out of your own garage, okay, so that other people are raising you. It doesn't say that. It says that that we have a responsibility to teach. I, I, I am totally convinced it is an emphasis and a priority of mom oftentimes choosing to be home to raise her own children and, and and we live in a society today that is oftentimes looked down upon looked down upon um, I, I read of one woman who just got tired of this she just got tired of people looking down she writes this and I know her time is gave I, I, I quote her name is 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 um, Linda Weber a young mom she goes I'm so tired of all those ignorant people come up to my husband and ask me if his wife has a full-time job or she's just a stay-at-home mom. She writes, here's my job description. I'm a wife, a mother, a friend, a confidant, a personal advisor, a lover, a referee, a peacemaker, a housekeeper, a laundress, chauffeur, interior decorator, a gardener, a painter, a 
a dog groomer, a veterinarian, a manicurist, a barber, a seamstress, an appointment manager, a financial planner, a bookkeeper. I'm a money manager. I'm a secretary. I'm a teacher. I'm a disciplinarian. I'm an entertainer, a psychoanalyst, a nurse, a, a, a diagnostician, a public relations expert, a, a nutritionist, a baker, a chef, a fashion coordinator, and letter writer for both sides of the family. I'm a travel agent, a speech therapist, a plumber, an auto, a automobile maintenance and repair expert. From the studies, it would cost more than $85,000 a year to replace me. I took time out of my busy day to write this letter because there are still, it, there are still, she's the ticked off mom. Because there are still ignorant people who believe a housewife is nothing more than a babysitter who sits in her backside all day and looks at soap operas. You know what? Um, applause to, to the truth that talks about the value of a mom. We see the influence. We don't have time to read Second, Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5 of, of Eunice and Lois pouring into young Timothy. I preached on that last Mother's Day. I'm sure that you're very, very aware of what I preached on last year at Mother's Day and the impact, okay? Kids, and kids, you have a responsibility here. Young ones that are sitting here, it's not just start with bringing your mom Cheerios, okay, uh, for breakfast in bed on Mother's Day, but it goes further than that. What, what, when it says, hear your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching, kids, you are to listen to your parents. First time. Don't use that tone that oftentimes just pours out of your lips. Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? This is the right thing to do. End of argument. Exodus 20, the basic moral decalogue, is what? Honor. Honor your father and your mother. How are kids to do this? To, to forsake, to forsake your mother's teaching isn't just kind of like a passive, I, I kind of forgot, like what, what was it mom said? I kind of forgot and a kind of wandering away over time. It's not that. To forsake your, your mother's teaching is to object to it, to oppose it, and to aggressively move the opposite direction, to disown it. I don't want anything to do with what my mom's telling me. To, to quit, to cast off, to run the opposite direction. Kids, children, don't ever do that. Fourthly and finally, the family, the faithful family has a reward promise to them. There's something in store. God knows how that we, how we work. Um, it says that they are graceful garden for your head and, and pendants for your neck. I have to be perfectly honest. I read this at first, and I'm like, whoa, all of that work. And I get a wreath for my head and a necklace around my neck. I was thinking more like a lawnmower, a leaf blower. I really, I get a, I get a wreath for my head. Like, I don't really need, I don't need one of those. There, there's more here, believe me. There's more here for being obedient, for hearing and heeding the instruction and teaching that one is promised. One is promised. Do you realize what it speaks of in attractiveness? That's what, that's what this adorning is. 
in attractiveness um, of life. And that is what a graceful, it is grace that is given. When, when, we, when we hear and heed what our dad and mom have to tell us, there is something that, that, that we see all of life through God's grace. Thought about it. I, don't, I, don't, I certainly can't push the text beyond what it is say. But I, I also thought about this whole graceful garland around your head. What, what, what is a graceful garland? It sounds to me a whole lot like a, what's a graceful garland? It sounds like a crown, doesn't it? Now, I, I know it has, it's not one of the, the, the crown of righteousness, crown of glory, crown of, crown of life, the imperative. It's not one of those, but I, I thought about what, what is the idea of what we always do with any crowns that we are given? But we are what? We're, we're given the privilege of casting them, of falling at the feet. Jesus, that's what we do with what we've been given. God's given to us grace. We, we cast grace to others. Do you, do you realize that there is there's a wedding that's coming? I, I know we have a couple couples, that, and the wedding's pretty soon. That's speaking about that one. That's wonderful. Reflection of God's relationship with us, covenant relationship. There, there's a wedding that's coming where we, the, the what? We, the church, are the brides. Jesus is the bridegroom. There's that moment. And we know what happens before a wedding, but a shower is given. And it comes from the term that we shower gifts on what? On the bride, on the groom. Here, take everything. Here, take this gift. Would you ever, would you ever arrive at a shower without a gift? Uh, no, just stay home. <laughs> if, if there's going to be a wedding, then let's prepare, what, to offer everything to, what, to the bride and the groom. To celebrate what God has in force. We are to teach our sons and our daughters spiritual wisdom. It is the noblest, it is the greatest, and it is the, the, the purest pursuit of our lives. Mothers. Mother's Day 2016. Are you doing that? May God give you the grace to be obedient. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of our moms, the design of family. And we ask, Lord, that you bless us and allow us to be obedient.